What is going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up, Howard Bender and Adam Ronis, courtesy of Fantasy Alarm here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Adam, what's going on, man? How you been? Been pretty good, man. Another good night in the NBA for what night are we on? Monday. Yeah, it was a uh, five and one night. And the only loss was, and I put it in the write-up, I said, I'm expecting Joel Embiid to play. If he does, seven and a half points is too much. They said Embiid was going to play. And then right a little while later, yeah, Embiid's not playing. And Philly got also a really good start, but they did not cover as Utah's a covering machine. 21 and seven against the spread. They continue to dominate. So that was the only loss on Monday night. Uh, but I did. It's, I'm, it's still a loss because I wrote it up. But I did say I like this play if Embiid plays. And someone might have saw, oh, Embiid's playing. Let me put it in. Oh, now he's ruled out. So part of the NBA. But uh, it was overall a good night. How hard are you, are you writing that uh, that run here for Utah? I mean, 21-7 and seven against the spread right now um, is fantastic. If you've been betting Utah the entire time, uh, it's been ridiculous. Have you been uh, are Utah staple in your uh, in your best bets right now? Actually, no, man. I've kind of got against them a couple of times. Uh, actually, their first win, um, they started their streak of uh, I don't know what is it, twenty one to twenty two. I don't know what it, whatever their first streak was. They were playing Milwaukee, and that I wrote up. I'm like, I love the Jazz getting five and a half. I I thought Milwaukee is not as good as they were last year, but since then, not. Too often, maybe a couple times, but I did go against them this week with Philly. And I truly believe if Embiid played, they would have covered, if not one. Like, Ben Simmons was unreal. Uh, Philly actually had a big lead early. They did make it kind of close, but they didn't cover. I'm trying to remember, there was another game I think I bet against them. Because I feel like at some point, this streak's going to end. Like, you cannot keep playing this well and covering and dominating. And uh, they keep doing it. So, Mike Conley is now listed as questionable for Wednesday, so maybe he returns um, as they uh, will be playing uh, in L.A. against the Clippers. Now, problem is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have now missed two straight games. Paul George hasn't played since February 3rd, and Kawhi Leonard's missed two straight. So um, Clippers are not the same team, clearly, without both of them. If Leonard plays, maybe um, they have a shot. Uh, there's no line out on it yet, but... Uh, yeah, they're they're a machine right now, uh, and I understand people might say, "Well, I'm going to keep picking them until they prove me wrong." Right? Uh, I'm trying to find the spot where they don't cover. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, very nice, very nice. Who did you have going in tonight's action here? Remember, Adam and I are recording here on Tuesday night. Um, what what you got? Let me let me look, let me look up your best bets here. Let me let me look it up because I'm gonna check it out. You uh you have the been... first one is in good shape to cash after one half. I have Nikola Jokic over 42 and a half points, rebounds, and assists, and in the first half he has 34. Okay, That's 29 point, 29 points, four rebounds, one assist at halftime. So. And they're down five. So as long as that game could stay somewhat close for the third quarter, he should get there. Okay, beautiful. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's see. What else do we got here for you? Uh, ooh, play of the day. The over in the Pelicans-Grizzlies game. I don't know, man. 10.45 into the first quarter right now. It's only 2 nothing. That's okay. <laughs> Pelicans games have just been going they just play no defense they've been consistently going over although I am concerned most of the money's on the over that bothered me I, I, I saw that after I was like oh shit 
I hate I hate that. But okay. Now if both teams are healthy, what's the final score of a Pelicans Nets game? Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Set the over under on that. Is it 268? Is that too No, nah, they'll too never low? put it that high. I I think the highest number I've seen this year is 245 and a half with them. Um, but I think that game may be 248, 249, maybe 250. It's possible. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. Checking that out. No doubt about it. Guys, check out Adam's best bets over at wageralarm.com. You got to subscribe. If you want to make money, you got to subscribe. He's not going to be 100%, but you know what? He wins more than he loses. And that's where you want to be. No doubt about it. Um, His best bets there for NBA uh, only rivaled by his amazing work in the fantasy baseball world. And uh, yesterday we talked uh, uh, about a a mock draft that I was doing uh, on Monday night. Well, I got the results there and I want to get Adam's take on it. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, We're going to kind of break down this, uh, this 12 team, uh, standard five by five roto draft from the mock draft army. It was my first mock draft of the season, so be gentle. Before we get to that, always a shout out to our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight, the uh, the DFS site you got to be playing on, especially if you love prop games. Uh, and here's why. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out MonkeyKnifeFight.com. MonkeyKnifeFight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because MonkeyKnifeFight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on MonkeyKnifeFight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, MonkeyKnifeFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. <laughs> All right, Adam, I, I sent you the draft board. I, uh, I'll i post this draft board when uh, when this posts uh, as being available to listen to. I will throw out a tweet at SiriusX, uh, at SiriusX, ah, fuck that, uh, <laughs> at RotoBuzzGuy. I will tag at Adam Ronis in there as well, just so you guys can get a look at the draft board uh, because it'll be helpful. By the time you're listening to this, we'll have tweeted out the draft board and uh, and that way you'll be able to kind of follow along there. So Adam, 12-teamer, mix of uh, Fantasy Alarm guys, along with some uh, loyal me- members of the Mock Draft Army. Uh, I had the fifth overall pick. Um, I mean, how do you want to break this down? Do your worst. Tell me what you thought. Who's 
Whose team do you like? Whose team did you not like? What picks of mine did you absolutely hate? I know a bunch of them that I hate, but nevertheless, uh, I will turn it over to you. Um, I mean, look, 12-team leagues are a lot different than 15. I mean, a lot of teams look good. That's the problem. I mean, the player pool is pretty shallow. Um, the one thing I noticed is pitching definitely did not get pushed up compared to what I see in the NFBC. And that's what I thought would happen here. Um, I'm surprised Bieber was the first pitcher off the board. There's no way I would do that, man. You talk about taking what you saw in 2020 and elevating it to another level. How does Shane Bieber go ahead of DeGrom and Cole? That makes no sense. I know Bieber was dominant last year. But it was over 77 innings, man. And he was good in 2019, right? You know, he went over 200 innings, had a 3-2-8 ERA and a, a solid whip. But I I can't take him over to Grom and Cole, who have done it for a longer period of time. So I think that's a case where 2020, um, you know, pushed him up. And again, the Indians played in that AL Central where it was such an easy schedule. Uh, so that was definitely surprising to me. Uh, and I think getting DeGrom at 10 was phenomenal. Um, and then you back it up with Jose Ramirez in the second round. So I like that. Um, well, let, let me ask you, did you, you thought, like looking at a 12-teamer like this, you thought that you would see pitching pushed up like you see in, uh, in an NFBC where there's no trading allowed? Well, I wasn't sure, but and pitching still did kind of go early here when you think about it. I mean, first, this, th first three rounds. Yeah, sure. Yeah, very, it's still earlier than usual, for sure. I mean, so I think people are starting to. I, I don't know why either. I'm not sure. Is it because that's uh, people are seeing boards tweeted out from the NFBC and hearing that talk? Because this is definitely unusual. Well, I think, you know, I mean, I, I think the mindset is right now, or at least this is just, this is my take. This is my take on why we're seeing pitching going so early. Um, I mean, listen, on high stakes leagues where there's no trading or anything like that, you, you know, you, you see pitching go early anyway. So that's, you know, that's, that's par for the course there. I think what, what a lot of people are looking at right now, and I think they're showing some concern is that, so many teams are looking at six-man rotation, tandem starters, using an opener, limiting their starting pitchers to uh, to a certain number of innings, and and I think that what what we see then is that elevates a lot of these guys, like you know, obviously Degrom, Cole, Bieber, uh, Hugh Darvish, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, Jack Flaherty. Like these guys are all. You know, these these are pitchers who the manager is just going to let them throw. I'm not going to sit there and be like, think, oh, well. I mean, it's not a guarantee with Bueller. No, it's not a guarantee with Bueller. Yeah, Dave Roberts handles pitching staffs a little on the uh, on the oddball side. But, you know, for the most part, though, out of all right. So if you take out Bueller from that conversation, you still have Giolito. You could throw Aaron Nola in there, Scherzer, Castillo, like these guys aren't going to be limited. Like the, the, the manager's not going to worry about these guys throwing seven innings, racking up, you know, 180 innings in a season, regardless of what they threw last year. You know, and I think that's why people are 
are kind of jumping a little bit too much on that. And, you know, I'm just not, I'm not as into it. Like, I think that, you know, when we look at, at, you know, injuries and, and, you know, past history of, you know, top draft picks and pitchers who get hurt or, you know, pitchers who, uh, who, who suddenly disappoint, well, you know, whatever the case may be, we've seen it that I don't necessarily know if I want to chomp into like one of these aces with my first three picks. Yeah, I'm okay taking one in the first couple rounds. I don't think I'm going to follow the crowd, though, and go with a bunch of pitching early. If that's what everyone else is going to do, I think I might just go in a different direction. Because when you do what everyone else is doing and you're not the one setting the trend, you're going to get stuck with the bottom of the barrel. And that's what you want to avoid. So I think in a 12-team league, it's much easier to do it. Uh, where, where go a bunch of bats early like you did. Um, and then you're going to figure out the pitching. We know there's going to be much more on waivers, too, in a 12-team league as well. Uh, but in a 15-team league, it's a little bit more difficult. And that's why I think you see the pitchers getting pushed up in that format. But in a 12, there's always going to be good players on the waiver wire. Even if you have a 12-team league with 30-man rosters, there's just a ton on the waiver wire. And, you know, I noticed that difference, too, uh, doing the NFBC doing the 15 team compared to the 12, man, it's just completely different. Even the way um, you attack fab, like you're going to churn a lot more of the bottom of your roster in a 12. Uh, you got to be quick to cut guys and play matchups each week. And, you know, and you're talking about getting guys for a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, like keep completely doing that at the back end of the roster. So that's where time management comes into play. If you're not going to do that, then you're going to get left behind. Like you have to be quick to churn out the roster. You can't just let it sit there and go, oh, well, I'm going to keep sticking with this guy. Nah, your bottom picks, you got to be quick to react. So in a 12 team, and the other thing too is maybe if the ball is deadened, and again, we don't know that. We're all kind of going based on the story we saw. We don't even know how much it's going to impact home runs. But if it is true and we do see home runs suppressed, then you probably will find more potential pitching options on the waiver wire. With the way the ball has been flying out over the last couple of years, it's really difficult to stream, especially two start weeks. Like you're just, you know, you're praying, all right, please give me one really good start and don't get bombed in the second. That's what it is when it comes to streaming two-star pitchers in this environment. Yeah. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's really, there's nothing worse than seeing a guy get bombed in his second outing and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm all locked into it. Ugh. Ugh. Um, all right, well, let's talk about uh, – all right, so so that's starting pitching for right now. Now, in, in this board, again, first round, Bieber, Cole, and DeGrom all went. In the second round, Darvish, Bauer, Bueller, Flaherty. Round three was Giolito, Nola, Scherzer, Castillo, Snell. Fourth round was Gallon, Woodruff, and Kershaw. Kershaw dropping all the way down there to the back end uh, of the fourth round. And I think that's a really good value. There's a great value. Yeah, I think so too. I do agree. Um, so that's how the pitching went. As far as uh, as far as the hitting goes, um, you know, like I don't really have, you know, there there aren't like surprises. I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, I, yeah, was I surprised that that Bo Bichette to me in the third round based on conversations that I've had with people and looking at stolen base numbers? Do you know who who if you combine the last two seasons. Now, granted, it's you know, it's um, you know, it's eight months of of baseball, not you know, a full twelve. 
but do you know who leads the league in combined last two seasons in stolen bases? The last two seasons combined? Yeah. Um, I would think Mondesi, maybe? Nope, it's Jonathan VR. But here's the crazy part. You ready for this one? How many stolen bases would you say Jonathan VR leads with? What do you, how many does he have total, or what's the lead over the next guy? Well, how many? Well, I mean, we we can do both, but let's start well, man, off well, with. What is uh, your question? Is my question is: is how many stolen bases did he have in the two seasons combined? Um, okay, well, he didn't have a lot last year, so I would say about fifty-two. Fifty-six. Okay. Fifty-six, like crazy like i'm sitting there and looking at it and I, I again last year is a complete aberration but even if you're talking about you know pairing him up the numbers here 56 for vr then it's trey turner at 47 acuna at 45 story at 38 Marte, starling Marte at 35 like i look at these numbers man i mean think back to like when we were drafted in the late 90s right you remember that where it was like you know you were like okay well, I mean, at, at worst, I'll end up with Tony Womack. By the way, your number is wrong. What do you mean? Mondesi has more than that. How does Mon- how many Mondesi has 60, 67 over the last two years. Why did he not show on this? Well, thank you, baseball reference. He had 43 in 2019 and 24 last year. Okay. Well, he, you know what? He didn't show up on the table in baseball reference. I don't know why. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's my because I knew he had a ton of steals last year and I knew he ran in 2019. So I'm just like, wait, it's not Monesty. So I just double check. All right, 62. Not a huge number either. 67. 67. Not a huge number. Well, again, yeah, but we're also, but the thing with him, he played 102 games in 2019 and 59 last year. So basically, over a full season, he's got 67. So, but you're right. Your premise is steals are way down. And we all know that, which is why. People are overpaying for them. Well, how much are you going to overpay for stolen bases? I'm not. I'm going to, I piece it together. I'm not going to look when you pick early, you're going to get a guy that runs, but I'm not going to pay for, uh, you know, even with Merrifield. I mean, his steals are down. I'm not going to overpay for these stolen base guys. I'm going to try and piece it together with 10 here, 15 here. I mean, Mondesi is a guy that I don't know. I don't see myself drafting him. And I know he he could have a high ceiling. I mean, he was mm-hmm. terrible in August and phenomenal in September. But he still strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk. His OBP is terrible. Like in an OBP league, he really hurts you. Right. Uh, we haven't seen big power yet. But he's definitely going to you know, steal a ton of bases. I mean, it's hard not to project him for 40 to 45. And it may be more. I mean, that guy runs a ton. I mean, he's 67 steals the last two years, and he's gotten caught 15 times. And then even you go back to 2018, he had 32 steals in 75 games. But you got to pay a high price tag for that. And it's going to come at the cost of potential power and um, potential batting average. I mean, he's 251 career hitter. Um, So it's not terrible. But you really want that in the second round? You want a guy hitting 250 with – maybe 15 homers. And I do think the Royals lineup is improved, but like what's his RBI is going to be and run score, you know? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to overpay for the steals. Uh, you're probably going to get 
Now, if you're picking in the first half of the draft, you're going to get a guy with steals. In the background, you might get some Lindor, Story, Ramirez. Um, would it be interesting to see if Yelich, yeah, Turner's going in the top, usually top six, top seven. I know here he went eight. No, oh, what he goes seven here. Yeah, so he's been going pretty early in almost every draft that I see. Um, but I think Harper can get you 10 to 15. I think Bogarts can run a little. Like, there's guys sprinkled in there. Luis Robert can run a little bit. So that's the way I want to go. And it also depends, too, on league context. It, the reason why it's pushed up in the NFBC is people want to win the overall. In your home league, you're not playing for an overall. You're just playing within your league. So you don't need to win the stolen base category. Just want to be competitive. And the other thing is, with less steals, you need less to compete, right? There's not as many. So you just want to be competitive in that category and try and finish middle of the pack. I mean, it'd be great if you could finish three, four or five, but, and the other thing too, is in a trading league, if that's your one deficient category during the year, you can trade for stolen bases. If say the, say the Mondesi guy has a big lead, right. And you're pretty good in power and everything. You can probably trade for him. Maybe that's too high of a bar to set because you know, that's the top guy, but you know, you find someone else that maybe is near the top in the stolen base category. Maybe they overpaid and now oh, they realize they're deficient in power or runs or RBIs. And then you can make a deal because that's the thing during the year, you look at those categories and that stolen base category is going to be tight. They might be some two up top, maybe someone on the bottom. That middle of the pack is going to be really close. And if you acquire that one stolen base guy that's running, it could push you up two, three, four, five points. A hundred percent, like a hundred percent, like that to to me, and it's kind of funny because this really, um, it kind of it reminds me of those those late nineties where you know everybody was targeting saves and steals because you know you could sit there and you know you you knew that you could trade one of these top stolen base burners, uh, you know you dominate you know in in the category. And then you trade those pieces off because those are the two biggest movable categories for the middle of the pack. And everybody's coveting that. Like everybody's coveting that. So um, so when you're sitting there in the in the first uh, in the first couple of rounds uh, and you're looking at these guys, you know, I mean, obviously, Acuna and Betts, Tatis, these guys are going to steal bases. But, you know, guys like Trout and Juan Soto aren't, you know, are you. You know, how important is it to you to get somebody in there like a Turner or a Lindor, even a Story or a Jose Ramirez, guys who do both? You know, are you are you elevating those guys uh, at all above some of the uh, the the better, you know, power guys like a Freddie Freeman or a Soto? Are you prioritizing stolen bases at all? Because, you know, you're going to need a piece of it, though, at least uh, early on. Uh, no, I mean, Soto actually can run a little bit. You know, he had six deals last year and 12 two years ago. So, and he's been pretty efficient on the base pass. He's 23 steals and he's been caught five times. I mean, how much is he going to run? I don't know. But a Soto to me has the ability to be um, a top one or two guy in fantasy. He's not going to have the steals that maybe Acuna, Tatis have. But, I mean, he's just an elite hitter. I mean, guy had a 490 OBP last year. And yes, I know it's 47 games, but I am ecstatic to have him in my keeper league, which is OBP. The guy had more walks than strikeouts by a lot last year. So I will take him early for sure. I have no doubts about that. Uh, hopefully I get him in tout wars because it is OBP, but we'll see where I'm picking. Um, and then I'm okay taking Trout too. Like, 
Trout could still run. Like, we're all looking at last year, like, oh, Mike Trout's never going to run anymore. He still could. The guy's 29 years old, you know, and he, he had 11 steals two years ago. I mean, he didn't run much last year, only had two attempts, but um, I don't think he gets 20 anymore. But if he gave you 10 to 12, that's a big deal with everything else that he brings to the table. So I'm not afraid to take Trout either. Um and Freddie Freeman, I don't mind that that dude's a four stud category machine, man. So uh I'll well, I'll worry about steals and I'll piece it together somehow. So I'm not gonna automatically just take, oh well, they have stolen bases, so I can't take this guy. Um and Yelich, maybe he runs again. Uh I know he's had a, had an awful two months, but I, I think he bounces back. I'm not buying a 30% strikeout rate. Last year is who he is now after his entire career. He's been hovering around the 20% mark. Uh, he was coming off an injury. He couldn't see video. So I just don't think all of a sudden Christian Yelich forgot to how to hit make contact with the baseball. I just don't buy it. I'm, I'm not. I'm, are you going to take 58 games of Christian Yelich or 900 in his career? I'm going with the 900. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. You bring up the fact that that not being able to watch the video was like a, was a was a big deal. I heard about you know Javier Baez was another one. JD I Martinez, think. yeah, several players actually. Yeah, JD Martinez is another one. You know, so you look at them for this year. Uh, you see bounce back. Yeah, I mean, obviously for- you said that about Yelich. Yeah. What about somebody like Baez who? You know, I'm trying to look and see where Baez went in this draft um, just to see how down people are um, on him. Where the hell is Baez? Um, he is uh, fifth, sixth round. Sixth round. Yeah. There he is. Yes. Um, I Baez, I don't know. I mean, he's Baez is always outperformed. Like, he's, he's a guy when you're like, you see his approach at the plate, you're like, oh, boy. And he always gets it done. Like, he's a guy that strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk. He's not very patient. And he always produces. So, last year, clearly, the average was down. Um, the thing is, too, the stolen bases are not as plentiful as people think. He's had one year over 20. But like I said, you know, the 10 to 12 guys, like, I look at that. Like, that matters. Because you want to get as many as you can. So he'll probably still run. He only had three attempts last year, but again, 59 games didn't get on base as much. Um, I don't, he's not a target for me. Would I take him? Yeah. Shortstop is so deep, man, that I feel like if I'm not getting an elite one early, I'm probably going to wait on that position. Not intentionally. I think it's just the way the board works for me. Um, Cause you see it here. You see a ton of shortstops go early. You see four in the first round, another one in the second Another one in the third, three more in the fourth. Like to me, Xander Bogarts in the fourth round is absolutely criminal. That guy's underrated, bro. I don't understand what Xander Bogarts needs to do, but I'll tell you this: if I can get that dude in the fourth round, man, it's like stealing money, bro. How I don't understand. Bogarts is way better than what people are valuing me at. This guy's a he's a, close to a five category guy. Now he had eight steals last year, and he didn't get caught. And he's got three seasons of double-digit steals. So, you know, is last year something we're going to see again? But I think you can get 8 to 10 from him. And he does everything else, man. Guy is a 300 last year, 309 the year before, 289 career hitter. Fills it up across the board. So, I think Bogart's like in round four is just an absolute steal, man. 
All right, beautiful. Bogey in round four. Nice, nice there. I, I went for uh, in round three. I was like, oh, I'll take Bo Bichette. Oh, I'm happy with him. Get some stolen bases, some on base percentage, all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, there. you, you I, got great bats. The key for you, obviously, is going to be piecing the pitching together. I mean, Liam Hendricks' job security is safe. I mean, you never. The thing with it's crazy though. This is how closes are, right? It's like Liam Hendricks has like a limited track record. He's 32 years old. For mm -hmm. people who don't realize that, and he had a great 2019, and he was great last year. And now we're like, oh yeah, he's a lock for for a closer. Um, so, um, it's just, it's just insane, but he, he's absolutely filthy. Like you cannot deny what he has done and he's got job security too. Like they're not taking him out of the closer role and he's done it a year and a half now. I love Corbin Burns. My concern with him is how many innings are we going to see for him? And he still has command issues. And trust me, I've been on Corbin Burns the last two years. Uh, I was so pissed off. I think I told you we did an NFPC auction with my partner, Brian Ambos, last year. We did it online, and we got Corbin Burns in a reserve round. And I was like, oh, this is going to work out. Like, I was just like, all right, you know. We took Burns and Freddie Peralta in the reserve round. And then that draft got canned because it was fab. And then the season started, and I was like, man, that would have been a phenomenal pick. And I had Burns in the GST and a couple other leagues. So I was targeting him because that's what you want. You wanted a, a guy who has an electric arm with good stuff. He hadn't figured it out yet, but you saw the strikeout rate. You saw some potential, and you take him in the last couple of rounds. It's house money, right? If he doesn't do well, you cut him. You move on. If he does well, like last year, you got a home run. But the guy is not throwing a lot of innings. So, like, what – I mean, can he get to 150 this year? I guess maybe. I mean, he had 59 and two-thirds last year, 49 the year before. So that's my concern with him. Uh, but I love the stuff. And, but he still did have issues with command a little bit. Um but I, I like the arm. Uh, yeah, I do too. And I, and I love and I love the defense behind him right now. Also, uh, Barrios is a safe arm. Like I've always drafted him, and I'm just been disappointing because like he doesn't like. I guess he doesn't have this breakout potential that we were hoping for, which is fine if he's just and maybe he is what he is, where he's a guy that'll give you well not this year, but it, you know he's been an innings eater two hundred two years ago, one ninety two the year before. Good team. He'll get run support. Um, you know, ERA probably mid threes to high threes. Um, doesn't have the elite strikeout rate, but, you know, he's in the whip last year was bad. I just think maybe we had higher expectations for him. It hasn't happened. And there's nothing wrong with him. You just know if you're drafting him, there's not a huge ceiling. This is probably is what he is right now. Zach Wheeler saw a big dip in the strikeouts last year, which was uh, kind of alarming. He's always been a guy that get some strikeouts, but it dipped last year. Again, we're only dealing with 71 innings, but it, it dropped pretty substantially. I mean, he went to 18.4%, but he had a good whip. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on with his strikeouts. Uh, he definitely gets a ton of ground balls, which really helped in that ballpark, and he limits the hard contact. So uh, I just think you want to see more strikeouts for a guy that throws 96, 97. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, when I took Barrios and, and and Wheeler, it was, you know, so I, I waited on pitching. For those who aren't looking at the draft board, I went Juan Soto. I had the fifth pick overall. Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Bo Bichette, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I reached for the 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 elite closer, the high-end closer, because everybody took all these, you know, all the top starting pitchers, and I knew I was going to have to piece together um, 
you know, my my rotation. So I, I jumped at, at Hendricks first. I figure he's going to stabilize ratios, going to get me the saves, obviously. Uh, late in the draft, I actually handcuffed him to Aaron Bummer, the lefty who I really like also, uh, who would kind of slot in if anything did happen to Hendricks. So, you know, and listen, you're talking about the White Sox, a team that could conceivably win 100 games this year. Um, and I went that way. So Corbin Burns was my next guy, then Paul Goldschmidt uh, at first. Then I took Barrios and Wheeler. You know, here are two guys who are just, you know, again, nothing elite, middle-of-the-road starters, not terrible ratios. They, they, You know, these are guys who can just – I can rely on, you know, and these are guys who I'm I'm excited to rely on. Uh, you know, as far as that goes, Burns, I think has the higher strikeout rate, uh, or ceiling potential for, uh, for, for that, but Burns, Barrios and Wheeler with Hendricks is like my top four pitchers. And then again, I love my offense here. Lord is Gurriel in the outfield, Carlos Correa in the 11th round. You want to talk about shortstops falling. Uh, I I'm, I'm looking at a little bounce back here for Correa Grandal. It's a two catcher league, Ramon Laureano, who I love. Um, as long as he doesn't get goaded into a, a fight by an opposing bench coach. Yeah, he burned me last year. <laughs> right? I had him last year, too. So I went back to that well. Alex Colomay is going to close in Minnesota. Jamison Tyone, uh, you know, take a shot at him uh, with the Yankees. Segura. I took your boy Hosmer uh, as my corner infielder in round 17, dude. Yeah, round- dude. dude. People are just, look, and I've never been a big Eric Hosmer guy. I did take him last year, I think, at TGFBI because I was waiting on first base. But you're talking about the Padres lineup, which is absolutely loaded. Uh, He had four steals last year. He had zero in 2019. Um, So, again, I'm not counting on steals. But if you get four or five stolen bases at your first baseman, it's a big deal. But he did start to elevate the ball more. And I think that's, again, will it stick? Uh, because it was only 38 games. Right. Uh, but I think it might. I think we've seen guys change their swing path, and I just think he's starting to elevate the ball a little more. So I think it's a really good sign. And again, even if he even if he gives you 20 home runs, well, he's done that before. But say he gets back to 25, like he did in 16 and 17, with the counting stats. And this is a guy that's always on the field. What happened last year? He missed games. I... I don't remember what he, uh, but he played 157 games five straight years before last year. I don't remember what his injury was. I don't remember either. I'll look that up. I don't, I don't, did he have COVID? I don't even remember what happened. He had COVID. Such a long time ago, man. I don't remember (laughs) what his injury was. Anyway, Uh, while Adam looks up, fractured finger, fractured finger, fractured finger. Ah, there you go. Which affects the hitting, affects the grip. And yet he still had a good year. Yeah. Um, for listen for a 17th round corner infield pick, I'm pretty happy with that. I'm pretty remember, happy. With pe- that. People, people are just so enamored with they look at homers and steals, runs and RBIs are categories, guys. Mm-hmm. And Hosmer's going to give you good ones in that lineup. So after that, I went Archie Bradley because he's going to be closing in Philadelphia, or he should be closing in Philly. Uh, Jose Arquiti to kind of add to the rotation out of Houston. Uh, take a shot at a rookie with Alex Kirilov in the 20th round. Gallegos in 21, adding to the close. If you see this, like further down, Gallegos, Crichton, uh, you know, and um, and Bradley, all three guys, 18th round. 
listen, I'll, I'll take these guys closing. And if somebody goes on a nice run and I can trade one of them, absolutely. I can definitely do that. So, and then, uh, well, let's see. Buster Posey is my second catcher. Aaron Hicks. Love that in round 23. Dude, 23, that right? Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. You want to talk about runs in RBI? The dude is, he's the number three hitter at the Yankee lineup. Yeah. I know the uh, injuries and risks and whatnot, but come on. No, nah, that's, that's a great pick in round 23. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Nick Ahmed to back up the middle infield. I grabbed David Dahl. Uh, as a possible, you know, outfielder. And then, you know, you want to talk about a guy with an electric arm uh, who not a lot of people are on, uh, Jerry DePoto, GM of the uh, of the Seattle Mariners, says that he is uh, almost certain that Logan Gilbert will break camp with the big team, big club, uh, and be in that starting five rotation. Now, I mean, it's Seattle, and you're not going to get, you know, wins or anything like that, but... You are going to get strikeouts out of Logan Gilbert. And he's Did he mention a, about a six-man rotation? Because they've been rumored to to do one. Did he mention anything about that? He just said that they were talking about it. They're okay. they're they're working it all out. They've got you know uh, a bunch of guys as far as who they go. Where's their um? What is it? It's Marco Gonzalez, right? Uh, Paxton, Paxton, Kikuchi, and then yeah, and then they've got Sheffield, Margavicious, Justin Dunn, Logan Gilbert. Uh, are the next uh, are the next four guys there, and uh, and he says that Gilbert's going to break break you know break camp with the uh, with the big club in that rotation. So you're basically looking at Sheffield, Margavicious, and Dunn, and Chris Flexen fighting for that. You know, if there is a fifth or or sixth spot, that's what we're looking at there in Seattle. Okay. Yeah, I don't think anybody. I think everybody's uh, just kind of you know. Yes, we would consider doing it kind of a thing especially if you got a lot of young arms uh, on your on your club but i don't think anybody's really fully you know fully ready to commit to it right it'll probably happen i think a lot of teams okay. are going to want to keep the innings down for a lot of their starters based on uh, last year i agree i agree everybody getting involved in the uh in the verducci effect so all right. Well, there you go, guys. It's just a quick breakdown of uh, the first draft of the Mock Draft Army. I'm going to be doing another draft, uh, two more actually, this week. Uh, we'll be posting articles about that. You'll see breakdowns. You can hear us break down drafts here uh, on the Annie Up podcast. You can hear us breaking down drafts uh, at Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Like last night, you heard Adam Ronas starting to break down the uh, Labor Mixed League Draft 15-teamer. That took place on uh, on Tuesday night. So uh, big thanks to all of you guys for listening always and liking and subscribing the uh, the Annie Up podcast. From my man, Adam Ronis, I'm Howard Bender. We'll catch you next time.